This is a Founding Media podcast. Welcome to From Tanks to Teleportation, a podcast where we explore the intersection of technology, business, and national security with leaders of the Defense Innovation Unit, which is part of the U.S. Department of Defense. I'm your host, Dan Dillard, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Zach Walker, the Texas lead for the DIU. Today, we're talking with General Angela Cadwell and Colonel Ross Morell, and we're getting a look behind the scenes at the work they're doing with our nation's security. General Cadwell is a Director of Cyberspace Operations, and Colonel Morell is the Chief Technology and Innovation Director for NORAD and U.S. Northern Command. Yes, it's that NORAD that tracks Santa Claus in December, but that's far from all they do. So let's turn it over to the professionals to learn more about NORAD, U.S. Northern Command, and all the new technology they're innovating and implementing for our nation's defense. General Angela Cadwell and Colonel Ross Morell, thanks for joining us on Tanks to Teleportation. As a civilian, I'm really looking forward to taking a peek behind the scenes to some of the work that you guys have been doing and involved in the nation's security and sharing that, some of that insight with our audience. First question, uh, General Cadwell, you've been the Director of Cyberspace Operations for NORAD and the U.S. Northern Command for over two years now. Most people know NORAD for like tracking Santa Claus every December, but we know it's more than that. So my first question is, what is NORAD and Northern Command and why is it important to the nation? So, so yes, absolutely. NORAD does track Santa uh, and it's hundreds of volunteers fielding thousands of questions from uh, kids and, and the young at heart. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. There's a website that becomes very popular, obviously, during that time of the season. But uh, to your point, NORAD and uh, U.S. Northern Command, there are separate and distinct commands. NORAD is over 60 years old now. It's a binational command, so Canada and the United States. And their missions are uh, airspace warning, airspace control, and maritime warning. Whereas U.S. Northern Command stood up in the wake of the events of 9-11 with the mission to defend the United States. Now, that said, both of those commands uh, are singularly focused on defending the homelands of Canada and the United States. And in a security environment whose only constant is that it continues to change. And we have adversaries who are always watching us who are looking to uh, find our vulnerabilities, looking to develop TTPs and, and weapons and capabilities that would exploit those vulnerabilities. So we're, we're challenged on every front and every domain. And so both of those commands have to continue to innovate in order to stay ahead. General Caderwell, Colonel Morell, thank you for joining us today. So the House Armed Services Committee, or HASC, just came out with a Future of Defense Task Force report And in that report, it spoke to the need for significant technical modernization in DOD, because, of course, we have to remain competitive with our near-peer adversaries, China, Russia, et cetera. And what you two are doing at NORAD is really making that vision a reality. So it's it's truly a pleasure and honor for you to join us today. DIU is focused on transforming DOD capability. And I understand that that's exactly what you both have been doing at NORAD, specifically with regard to NORAD and, of course, U.S. NORTHCOMS cyber and data needs. Could you share a bit more about that process, how it's been going? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, You know, our our technology really hasn't kept pace uh, with our adversaries' technology. You know, we have their their adversaries out there who claim that they will be the leaders in artificial intelligence by the year 2025. 
Um, and we, uh, we were going to need to accelerate in order to be able to keep up with that. Like so many organizations, we have technology that dates back to the, to the 80s, even the, maybe the 90s at the newest. Um, and it's, it's, you know suffers from being fairly stovepiped uh, data. And in many cases, our operators have to look at up to eight different mission systems and, and do the aggregation in their brain uh, in the middle of a high stress, very fast twitch kind of mission, like a 9-11 event, right? You only have minutes to figure out, detect that there's an anomaly, figure out what you're going to do about it and engage. And these poor operators are having to deal with these, this 1980s technology that really doesn't uh, facilitate a threat that's moving that fast. And then you add on the newer threats that are obviously been uh, being developed, uh, the cruise missiles and the hypersonics. So we really do need to accelerate. So we're very focused uh, really in three areas in domain awareness uh, at, at multi-grid, uh, multi-sensor, multi-domain. And then that domain awareness, aggregating that data with the intent that that give us uh, information dominance in such a way that we're pairing the sensors to the decision makers and accelerating uh, that feed in an automated way, as opposed to operators trying to do it in their head uh, in stovepipes, uh, with the intent that that feeds decision superiority, uh, because we want to go sensor to decision maker to weapon system back to the threat in order to, to deal with that um, and moving that at speed. So part of our transformation has been very focused on the digital transformation elements associated with, with um, both people, training, culture, but then leveraging technology to give us that faster, those faster speeds, faster OODA loop kind of kind of work. So, uh, Colonel Morell, I understand it's part of General Cadwell's transformation. You're leading a project called Pathfinder. Can you explain what Pathfinder is and what the challenge it's meant to solve? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, so Pathfinder is uh, is chartered uh, to to really revolutionize our strategic approach uh, at data, uh, and to do that uh, in order to enable mission outcomes at the speed of relevance. Uh, and it, uh, across NORAD Northcom, as you just heard from General Cadwell, uh, we have multi-domain missions. So when we started this prototype uh, that we are calling Pathfinder, uh, we started with the air domain, specifically with our air defenders. Uh, as you heard, our air defenders today uh, are placed in high stress, uh, time critical decision cycles uh, for every air anomaly over the skies of North America. Uh, they are currently using a multitude of systems that are independent, non-correlated, uh, and then they are required to manually stitch that data together. And as you heard General Cadwell say, and then mentally uh, process and then provide C2 decisions. We believe that keeping our advantage is really tied to the velocity at which we can transform that abundance of data that's coming off all those sensor mechanisms mm -hmm. uh, and turn it into uh, trusted, precise, and actionable insights. And that's what the Pathfinder is set out uh, to solve, is the data capacity issue. But at the same time, we're also using things such as automation and machine learning, uh, capabilities that can significantly reduce the amount of process friction uh, and free up a lot of the trap capacity, whether that be in human capital, uh, time, or money. And so Pathfinder is foundational uh, to domain awareness. Uh, and without it, we're at a significant disadvantage uh, when it comes to information dominance and decision superiority. In air, de in air defense, you only have minutes, so every second counts. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you mentioned velocity and you mentioned automation. You know, these these are things that we talk about quite a bit in DoD, but not necessarily something that traditional organizations are really able to execute for whatever reason. Right? There's there's many different different reasons. Could you speak a bit more about how you approach this, really from a from a process perspective, and and how this approach may be different than what a traditional DoD organization would do? Yeah, sure, Zach. Uh, 
I guess the first thing I'd say is that we, uh, we went and partnered with DIU to make this a reality. Uh, and so if you take a look at the threat landscape and you see the significant change in that, in that landscape, we realize uh, we really need to have new solutions uh, and new methodologies to really keep pace. Uh, and so we looked at commercial, uh, the commercial sector, right? And the commercial sector has a lot of capabilities um, that they have that we can use to accelerate solving some of these new threat problems uh, that we have. So partnering with DIU, number one, was probably just something that really made sense. Uh, there's a, a multitude of other uh, areas that I think that we, we, uh, we differ uh, from traditional uh, organizational uh, uh, structure in terms of how they uh, develop capability or deliver capability. Uh, there's a, a three, if you don't mind, that I'll like to kind of focus on. I, the first one is, is uh, typically uh, when you're looking at solving a problem, you'll get a, you take it from a systems approach. Uh, the genesis of Pathfinder is, uh, is really harnessing the power of data. So we did not want to go out and replace a system. Uh, we did not set out to build a system. What we set out to do is to tap into the existing sensor networks uh, and, to pro and to bring in the entirety of the data set from those existing sensor networks. And, and once we brought that data set uh, into uh, the ecosystem, you know, our intent there uh, was to then uh, provide it, uh, enrich it, uh, and provide it to the air operators uh, so that they, they can you know, defend the skies of North America. So ingesting it was really the first, the first piece of it. Uh, but we went further than that, right? Ingesting and storing is, is, is one thing. Uh, but we, what we're really doing is we're really creating a data fabric. Uh, so we're ingesting that data uh, we're cleansing that data, we're tagging that data, interrogating it, curating it, uh, and then making it available uh, through the, the enrichment that I just talked about uh, and providing it to, to those air operators. Uh, the second thing I think I would, uh, I would mention is our organizational construct and, sh and structure of how we compose the team. Uh, so both General Cadwell and I are, are cyber operators, technologists, uh, and we realized that we would use commercial technology to really leap forward. However, uh, uh, without having the operator as, as a, a pivotal point or as a, as a permanent part of the team, uh, you know, we could uh, move fast and we can deliver capability, but we probably would not derive maximum operational value. So we, we embedded the, the air defenders in our team from idea generation uh, to co-creation of the success outcomes of the prototype. Uh, and then uh, as well as a permanent member of our continuing team as we've moved out of our prototype phase and now moved into a production phase. Our air defenders uh, are driving this requirement and they're driving uh, this capability home. And I guess uh, the third piece I, I would talk to is, uh, uh, is what we are doing is, is a software-defined enterprise or software-defined uh, architecture. Uh, and so we realized that we're starting with the air domain but that we would probably quickly uh, uh, scale uh, to other domains uh, because of the mission sets of NORAD and NORTHCOM. So what we needed is we needed a flexible architecture uh, that was scalable and repeatable. So we looked at industry. Industry does lots of software-defined uh, de deployments of capabilities today. So our, our entire uh, concept and our delivery is code. So whether that be infrastructure, compliance, governance, security, or architect architectural design, uh, it's all code. Uh, and with that, it enables, it accelerates our, our ability to deliver capability from the whiteboard to the warfighter. The last, the last thing I'll just uh, close on this is, is uh, for us, uh, learning fast is, uh, is a core competency. Uh, 
Uh, so again, going back to the software-defined uh, modeling, uh, we're able to, at speed and scale, uh, be able to take hypotheses, test them, uh, refine them, uh, and then redeploy them uh, at, at the speed of relevance, as I talked about uh, yeah, let me just pile on. He, uh, you know, he mentioned having the operators with us from day one. I mean, they were even part of the assessment of the various data vendors that we took a look at. But by having the operators physically with us, I mean, they literally have been assigned here to Colorado Springs. Um, there was there was buy-in from the beginning. It wasn't that the cyber guys built some awesome thing, threw it over the fence, and hoped that the operators would want to use it. They were part of it from the very beginning, and that sucked in the entire leadership chain, all the way up through the three and four star levels. So. Uh, it, it, it added speed uh, to the iterations that we were going through. And we, I mean, you guys have already got it deployed on the sector floors already. Um, and they were, well, they, were, they were itching to have the capability because they'd been a part of it and they were excited about it. So that was, that was a key component. You mentioned uh, as part of Pathfinder, recently completing a prototype with DIU that was awarded a production contract. Can you tell us a bit about that and what was this prototype and how it fit the broader Pathfinder effort? Yeah, yeah, sure. The, uh, so, so you're correct. So we started, uh, we started the effort uh, about uh, well, a little over a year ago in terms of when we went on contract from a prototype perspective. Uh, and, and again, as I said, the, the initial uh, prototype was focused on the air domain. Uh, and so we did that prototype for a year uh, with the air domain uh, as, as the core capability. Uh, and so if you start looking at um, how we're re rethinking how we think about Homeland Defense, we take the air domain and now we want to scale it and bring it into multi-domain. Uh, and so Pathfinder really was focused on the air domain and the prototype. So now that we're in production, uh, we are we are looking at other domains. And so we're bringing on uh, other te product teams and what we call our verticals uh, to look at some of that other domain data. Uh, and that's in an organization that we, we call N2X, of which Pathfinder is, is core to that and which feeds into, into that process. Uh, one one thing I'd like to say though is that uh, you know partnering with DIU and, and doing this prototype for us uh, you know was huge. We went from a concept to a contract uh, with DIU in 82 days. Wow! And then we took that prototype contract and we turned it into a production contract in less than a year. Uh, so so th those things and that that prototyping effort uh, now moving into production on the air side, but now we're able to take that same model. Uh, we're able to use those software defined. Uh, code infrastructure architecture. We, we're applying it to to other domains as well. That's really wonderful to hear about that that velocity that we mentioned earlier, eighty two days, and not just a fast contract, but also being able to take user centered design, bringing in the airmen to really figure out exactly what it is that's needed. You really need both of those things together, and I, and I think that's that's how you realize the success that it sounds like you've you've had. Now, General Cadwell, this isn't your first time partnering with the Defense Innovation Unit. You partnered with us back when you were at the U.S. Transportation Command. And if you could, love to hear a bit more about that experience, what that project was like, and, and most importantly, what, what made you a, a repeat customer? Uh, that's actually scar tissue, not the DIU part, <laughs> but the, the experience that prompted us to, to, to try to pair up and, and uh, have a, an ultimately successful venture with DIU. Uh, but you know, for many years, the department had been very focused on efficiency and had been consolidating data centers uh, so the idea was you free up servers in multiple locations, you get them into one spot. Well, if, um, if for example, the civil engineers were also doing efficiencies and maybe not maintaining the water line that then exploded 
and then killed the power to your entire data center for several days. Uh, we now were had you know all of our proverbial eggs in one basket, and we were effectively dead in the water. And our, our units had to get on airplanes and fly to their coop locations in order to continue executing their missions. So that uh, that prompted us to to embark on the journey. Uh, we, we realized very quickly uh, that we didn't have uh, a technical bench on the government side uh, because for many years that skill set had just atrophied uh, as a part of the consolidation kind of work. So we realized we were going to have to uh, engage with industry. And, and frankly, DIU had, had all the right contacts and knew given the problem set that we presented to DIU, what were uh, the, the range of industry partners we ought to be talking to and so, uh, again, similar journey to, to what Ross described with Pathfinder. We, we embarked on that journey with industry partners. We, we stood up a, a cloud center of excellence. Uh, we, we put, uh, I think at this point, they have some 20 applications uh, operating exclusively out of the cloud, as in they've completely shut down what was the on-prem uh, instantiation of that capability. And, you know, for us at the time and, and, and for the reasons of that success, uh, when we, we Ross and I came here to, to NORAD and U.S. Northern Command, and we wanted to embark on a similar journey. We knew that we had a, a very strong partner with, the, with DIU and that we could be able to move fast and deliver capability very quickly uh, to, to accomplish our mission sets, our Homeland Defense missions. I'm curious uh, what the experience was, since you did have the experience two times now. Uh, what was different this time around? What were your impressions about what has changed with DIU over the last three years? Yeah, I'll, I'll take a stab at that. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, so, so, so two times around. Um, under the, I, I guess I'd first, first submit that the, uh, the problems that we were, we were going after uh, were, were a bit different uh, in terms of what we were doing with, from a U.S. transcom perspective to what we're doing here at NORAD and U.S. Northcom. So, so again, it's not necessarily an apples and apples comparison. Okay. Uh, because at U.S. Transcom, we were looking at taking an entire IT portfolio uh, and migrating it into commercial cloud using different design factors or different um, application um, measures. Uh, and, and, of course, it, when you look at that that portfolio at U.S. Transcom, it, it, it's huge. Um, and it has a lot of different technologies and a lot of different architectures. So so from that perspective, we were, we were looking at, uh, looking at um, doing the uh, the transformation a little bit different than what we are doing this time uh, in terms of the right Northcom, where we're, we're completely focused on the data, not necessarily focused on those those systems uh, and those applications. However, um, what I would submit, I guess, on both on both sides is, you know, it, uh, when we were partnering the first time, you know, it was DIUX uh, and it was U.S. Transcom, our first really endeavor to really go after uh, making a, this this substantial change in, in technology. And so I think, you know, the, the Probably some of the relationships weren't uh, weren't really uh, deep uh, as in DI, at the DIUX side. Um, some of the processes uh, were probably still being worked out. Uh, on our side, is the exact same thing, right? It would be the first time that we were going through something um, like this, and so you know, there's a you know great great humans you know trying to make this this work. But again, you know, we're forging new ground, and so I think on both ends there was a little bit um, you know a feeling out and just and 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 really. Um, in terms of the infancy of, of the, you know, where we were at in that perspective, uh, you know, this time around with DIU, uh, you know, we came in with a really defined problem. Mm -hmm. uh, we scoped it. 
specifically knowing, you know, that we would only be at, you know, doing this for about a year. And so what we did want to do is we want to come in with a, a massive problem and basically say, you know, we want to transform the entirety of every domain data that we're using uh, across everything at NORAD NORTHCOM. So we scoped it to the air domain. So we came in with a little bit more focus and understanding. And then number two, I would submit is that, uh, you know, DIU, uh, the, the, the processes, the, the, uh, the depth in terms of the reach uh, and the partnerships uh, that have been established with a lot of the vendors, uh, you know, obviously over time that just, just matured. Uh, and so, so I think the process was a bit, a little bit smoother for us as we went through. Um, but we also had a better handle on exactly what it is we were going after. Uh, so from my perspective, that would be, you know, kind of the, the, the difference in the, in the two times. I think for us, uh, just to pile on, uh, a, a big measure was speed. Uh, because we were very comfortable with how it would play out, how we would be engaging with DIU, engaging with potential vendors, uh, everything went a lot faster. We could articulate our vision to leadership and thereby you know, get resources applied, both manpower and money. Um, we, could, we could do that at much faster speed. We got the buy-in very quickly. Uh, we leveraged DIU's uh, expertise and contracting abilities and got very quickly onto contracts and brought data vendors in. And then we learned, I think, to bring... Uh, the customer, in this case, the operator, we bring them in from day one. Uh, mm -hmm. That was a mistake we made uh, in the first round is we brought them in midstream and there was they, they didn't have quite the buy-in. We, we learned that lesson very quickly. They were part of the contract negotiations. We immediately had the data vendors going to the operators at the sectors uh, and learning from that firsthand. And so uh, just immediate buy-in uh, now that we understood the process uh, and, and frankly, we've had some great folks uh, like Dan that uh, were assigned to the team from the very beginning and, and has helped shepherd us through. Uh, so I think uh, just that what was that contract uh, idea to contract in, in 82 days. days uh, you know, I don't think anybody yeah. in the department's ever done that. Great work. Yeah, we love that number. Please, please feel free to, to keep saying that and, and tell all your friends. <laughs> Definitely. You mentioned that you strive to be a learning organization and certainly DIU endeavors to do the same. And it sounds like we're really moving from Maybe the first time it was more of a customer relationship, but this time certainly we were partners and that that is exactly what we're trying to get to here with our, our relationships. And somewhat on that note, General Cadwell, you gave a speech at AFWorks, which is the Air Force's innovation initiative, another great partner of, of DIU's. You spoke a bit about how our adversaries are investing in technology. They're investing in changing their doctrine and, and doing so specifically to target and exploit U.S. weaknesses. To stay ahead of them, however, you said, we have to adapt, innovate faster than they are. Now, you mentioned our work together, and it certainly sounds like that, that velocity is, is one piece of that. But just in general, could you give us a, give a report card? How is the U.S. doing in that regard? Yeah, so the, the piece that, uh, that Ross described about the Pathfinder Initiative, uh, where, where he's got capability on the four air defense sectors on the floor with the operators using it in six months, I think, um, I mean, that's unheard of, right, to, to go and, and that's going all the way back to the sensors, pulling it into the data environment, creating a visualization layer and then having the operators already using it. The innovation that we that's coming out of the commercial sector, since it's going to play this critical role in DOD's ability to stay ahead of our adversaries. So as, a, as technology adopters and providers, what are some of the biggest barriers that you see or you face uh, to adopting and fielding commercial technology? Yeah, so we've um, we've we've had to embrace uh, digital transformation like like so many others uh, that focuses on uh, people, training, 
culture, very important, uh, and technology, all of which I, I think we struggled with because the technology was evolving faster uh, than the training was occurring. You know, my last training event was in the mid-1990s. So unless on my own initiative, I continue to read and go to conferences, the, the government structure does not continue to keep me abreast of technology. And so the constant touch points with the commercial sector and private sector as they, they advance the technology is absolutely essential. But then on the people side of the house, you know, I have, I have folks in my directorate that have very proudly, very professionally and, and exceptionally well maintained systems that date back to the 1980s. Um, but now I need to pivot them to how do I think about data? How do I manage that data in a cloud environment? How do I teach them to do data analytics and machine learning? And some of the folks with some training can make the transition. Others are really struggling. And so part of the people portion of that equation is we have to think about hiring the expertise that the department does not yet have. It's just not it's not who we're hiring. It's not uh, what we're training to yet. We'll get there. Uh, so we're having to hire directly from uh, the private sector of, of great talent. And they've joined our ranks and are, are moving very quickly. Um, and then the last piece and probably the hardest is that culture piece. Uh, changing the culture of wanting to embrace the new as opposed to embracing what we're comfortable with because we've been doing it for decades. And that is uh, really at every layer, but we, it seems, at least in my perspective, I see it in the middle layer. So uh, at, the, at kind of that division chief, branch chief level of, hey, I feel like I'm on the hook. I know what I do right now seems to work. I'm, I'm a little unclu- unsure of how that new stuff's going to get it done, but I still feel like I'm on the hook. So I'm going to go with what I'm comfortable with. And changing that culture and going, hey, guys, there's a better way that's faster, uh, that scales can let you move uh, and make decisions at a, at a much quicker pace, assess the threat, deal with the threat, provide COAs to the command leadership. Um, changing that perspective has been, uh, has been a challenge, as is changing culture in any organization. For my last question, I'd like to go back to something General Cadwell said a bit earlier. You were talking about legacy systems, and you made the reference that someone may look at the, again, the system that the government gave them that they've had for 20, 30 years and say, yeah, that, that doesn't quite look right. And then, whereas before they maybe had no recourse, now they can look at the Pathfinder and say, oh yeah, no, that looks a lot more accurate. And that that is such a huge change, just a fundamental shift in our relationship with acquisition and, and technology. And and if you'll excuse the metaphor, it's almost like you've you've been outside of Plato's cave. You've, you've now seen what it's like on the outside when you have the best commercial technology. So what I'd like to ask, so for both of you, as two leaders who have successfully modernized and in, in meeting that House Armed Services Committee report and meeting the challenges that you you laid out at AFWorks General Cadwell, you know, what advice would you offer our other DoD partners who are perhaps still stuck in Plato's cave, that they know their legacy systems are giving them what they need, they don't know what their options are, what can they do about it? Yeah, so I'll, I'll start and then Ross will pile on. I, I, I think ultimately uh, you have to be willing to take risk. Uh, you have to realize that what you have today is is insufficient for the future. Uh, obviously, you have to commit to uh, to garnering resources. And at a time where you have to maintain the legacy at the same time you're trying to apply resources to the new, well, now from a, a money perspective, the G8s of the world are saying, well, you, you just doubled the bill. Um, and having to uh, convey the vision that says, hey, for less, on the back end of this effort, for less, we will even have greater capability and then being able to sell that to, you know, to, to senior leaders, uh, like and by, for me, I'm, I'm referring to the three and four star levels. Um, but the proof is really in success, right? They start succeeding. You share that back with the leadership team and, and my fellow peers. 
And suddenly everybody wants a piece of Pathfinder or a piece of that effort that's moving forward. And then the momentum starts to build. Uh, but if, from the very beginning, uh, there's always trepidation in that's new. I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. There's potentially risk involved because I don't know if I'm going to spend effort and know if it's going to pay off in the end. Uh, I'm spending more money. Uh, I don't know if this is going to work. So there's all that kind of trepidation and, and you have to uh, really work to share the vision. And then as the success is, is immediately demonstrated, uh, deploy that capability, share that story, and then people get excited and, and that momentum keeps building. Yeah, I, I'd say it starts uh, with executive sponsorship. Yeah. So if you don't have an executive sponsor and you don't have somebody who is pushing and not just not just saying, hey, I want to do this or this looks really this looks really cool. Let's go try it. Uh, you really have to have that exec- executive sponsorship uh, as you as you begin. However, uh, I think what's really key is uh, within the organization and even external to the organization, you have to find the people uh, that I, I call them connectors. Uh, they're people that have are, are either trusted or they have really good insights or they have influence within the organization or, again, uh, an external partner. Uh, and and it, it, that has nothing to do with uh, position uh, or duty title or rank, right? It has, it has to do with those people that actually can get out and actually make things happen. Uh, so, yeah, so if you can connect those people, you have executive sponsorship, and then if you can get those people in the organization – uh, and then you can start you can start building uh, really and, and then driving some of those success factors. Uh, I think that is, that is critical uh, for any organization that's trying to do any type of transformation. Uh, the, the next piece I would say is, uh, you know, you need to produce prototypes and not PowerPoint. Uh, you know, buzzwords look really nice on a PowerPoint slide, but they drive really no operational value. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, unless you're demonstrating uh, what can can be. Uh, and then, so you have to have the executive sponsorship to go out to be able to do some of these things. Uh, but once you can demonstrate what can be, uh, you get well beyond the whole, hey, this is what I can just show you in PowerPoint. Uh, and then the, the last piece, I guess I would say, is that, you know, digital transformation is just not about uh, technology and it's not for technologists, right? It's, it's an entire organization uh, that needs to be committed, uh, that needs to be driving forth uh, and, and moving into, into that direction. As a final question for you both, I want to I want to change gears. I'm always curious about the path people take um, for their careers, their lives. So going back to the beginning, uh, what attracted you both to serve? <laughs> I, I think growing up, I probably watched a, a little too much Star Trek, a little too much Star Wars. And, and when I was a kid, I wanted to grow up to be an astronaut. Uh, and at the you know kind of mid 80s stage, which was when I was going into college. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to know how old you guys were. Um, <laughs> the, the military were the uh, kind of that was the leading path uh, mm-hmm. to get into the uh, NASA astronaut program. Uh, and my my parents are both engineers. One's electrical, one's civil engineering. So I already had sort of the technology bent in me, and so uh, that's what excited me. And the, the path was so I ended up going off to the Air Force Academy, uh, and that's thirty four years ago. So wow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for me. <laughs> well, so my family, uh, my great grandfather, uh, my grandfather, and my father all all served. Okay, uh, they were all Army infantry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I always thought that there would be you know some some level of service that I would do. I, I wasn't necessarily sure if it would be uh, in military, uh, but I, I certainly knew after after hearing stories that it probably wasn't the Army, but. Um, that being said, uh, I did apply to West Point, so I, I have to go on record and say that. 
but but yeah, so so that was really uh, sort of part of my family. Uh, and then I, I got an ROTC scholarship uh, from the Air Force, and so that's kind of where 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 I went. So I didn't go to the Air Force Academy, uh, but but came in through ROTC. But you chose the right service. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, that's exactly right. Well, thank you both for sharing. I learned so much. This has been great. Thank you both for being on the show and and the work that uh, you have done on nation security. Yeah, well, we want to say thank you to uh, to DIU. You have been sure. tremendous partners. Uh, had we waited for the bureaucratic DOD acquisition machine, we'd still be at this 10 years from now and, and have really completely missed the threat and been able to deal with it. So thank you to to all of you for, uh, for the huge lift. I uh, really do appreciate it. Thank you both so much for joining us today and for being yeah, thank you. partners. We want to say thanks again to General Cadwell and Colonel Morell. It was amazing learning about everything that goes into our nation's defense at NORAD, NORCOM, from the people that make it happen. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend or colleague. And if you haven't done so already, be sure to listen to the previous episodes of From Tanks to Teleportation to learn more about the exciting work the Defense Innovation Unit is doing. From Tanks to Teleportation is a partnership between the Defense Innovation Unit and Founding Media. It's created in Austin, Texas. To learn more about the DIU, please visit our show notes. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.